Come on. Welcome to Money Savage, a savage approach to personal finance. This is George Grumbacher, and the time is right. Welcome to today's guest, the strong and powerful Greg Lewin. Greg, are you ready to do this? I believe so. <laughs> Excellent. Let's do this. Maybe I should be more strong and powerful for you. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Greg has spent 30 years on Wall Street as a technology analyst, an institutional salesman, a fund manager. He's also the author of It's a Matter of Trust. I'm excited to have you on. Greg, tell us a little bit about your personal life, some more about your work, and why you do what you do. Sure. Um, married with children. Kids are uh, moving on, as it were, at this stage. They're getting a little older. Um, I... Uh, very interested in investing, spent, as you said, 30 years as a professional in a uh, number of hedge funds, a number of uh, institutional investments, had a number of fantastic uh, alliances and acquaintances on Wall Street with some brilliant people that have helped me throughout my career and still to to this day uh, enjoy investing incredibly. So I still am extremely active in the process every day. And um also have begun to write more about subjects relating to investing uh, and uh, to see if I can help other people. So that's sort of where I am as it is. Excellent. So we were talking a little bit before the show kicked off that I think that a majority of the people who are going to be listening to this are, are individual investors and folks who are interested in doing a better job of saving money and, and being more successful. So we can kind of get into that with your experience um i guess maybe just advice to those people who are listening or thoughts sure let me let me just sort of um sort of uh change everybody's direction of thinking a little bit with two thoughts um first off um investing is much is much less about stocks and the market and it's much more about you it's uh, dispel any notion it is not an intellectual exercise and believe me i've spent a lot of time intellectually trying to master this science it is much much more an emotional exercise uh, i can spend months studying a stock and have had so so many experiences within a split second selling a stock with maybe not a legitimate reason why. And in fact, very often the, the reasons may have very little to do with the stocks or markets. It could be very personal. It could be things that have changed for myself. So the first thing to understand to become a better investor is to understand your disposition to understand your resources, to understand your interests, to understand your efforts, to understand your emotional makeup, to understand what's going on in your life, to understand your risk tolerance. It's about you. It's very little about the stocks and the market. I will actually tell you, it's actually rather easy to find stocks that go up. I will also tell you, it's almost impossible to have the necessary patience to wait for those stocks to appear. 
and in the middle is where we make all the mistakes. Got it. Second, very important, stocks, the stock market and investing is much, much less about right or wrong. It's all about capital allocation. Simple, silly example. If I gave you a certain amount of money and you invested $1 in 99 stocks and got them all wrong and you invested $200 in the 100 stock and got it right, you're a terrific investor and you're almost never right. <laughs> the whole idea behind investing is aligning your capital allocation with your best ideas, the greatest capital allocation, and smaller ones in those that are less best. And that's important. It goes back to the first comment that I made. Best does not necessarily mean a stock that can potentially go up the most. The best investment is one that aligns with your disposition, resources, and interests, and willingness to do work on this thing. And I'll give you a third thing, since I'm talking generally to individual investors, and it's, it's an important perspective that I don't think is broadly understood. Wall Street is all about risk transfer, and the risk transfer is from them to you. When in fact, conceptually, you should be looking at your brokers and your advisors to be taking risk on your behalf. When in fact, they're doing everything they can to put the risk back on you. Right or wrong, I'll say that's wrong. I'll say that's wrong of them, wrong of the system. But whether it's right or wrong, without an awareness of that, you're more of a victim than you are a uh, whatever the opposite of victim is. So those are some of the, the general points that we can talk about. Does that make sense? It does. <clears throat> I think that those are those are excellent points to be talking about. So, shall I just start from the beginning and continue to work around? Yeah, perfect. Okay. And again, if there's any thoughts or questions or directions you'd like me to head into, um, that would be that would be perfectly fine. So, um, let me talk a little about my adjustment from an institutional investor to an individual investor. Uh, one of the most important things I had to understand um, was that my resources were changing. And I think it's, it's super, super important. I, I came from many environments where there are a million ways to win and lose, quite frankly. The important point is you have to, you have to clearly identify yours and you have to be understanding of that choice. It has to be a positive choice that you make. Choice could be, I want to work with this broker. I think I trust him and I believe in him and that's fine and understand that. And therefore your exercise is all about studying this broker and seeing whether or not, not only do they achieve good results, but do they achieve results consistent with your needs and what they have claimed to do? Sometimes because we wouldn't want to give too much credit to people who have kind of stumbled into mistakes. We want to parse the difference between uh, maybe a, an advisor or broker who just happens to be in the middle of a market that keeps going up and he says it's a good thing. And we're not certain that that is a sustainable talent that they have. 
So we have to understand what choice we want to make. Do I want to invest my own capital? Do I want other people to invest it? Or is there some shared experience that I want to take out of this? Because for a lot of reasons, either for greatest financial gain, or it could be just for pleasure. Um, but understanding whatever choices I make, I then need to make a judgment on what resources I have available. I mean, if you're working three jobs and you're busy and your life is, 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 is complicated, you don't have the time to monitor things on your own. Maybe not even barely monitor that broker or advisor. You have to be aware of these things. You have to understand what you bring to the table. I used to think one of the things that happened in, in recent years, maybe two decades, maybe one decade, has been the advent of all these very, very sophisticated and terrific you know, um, online brokerage offerings. The problem is, is there's no relationship between how hard it is to create excess capital and how easy it is to spend it. I always thought you should have like a 50 pound rock in the middle of your room that you do your investing in and at least pick up that rock and walk around the room once before you put your finger on a key and spend thousands of dollars. It's just too easy to spend the money. And that's very dangerous. Um, we don't have any relationship. People don't appreciate how hard it is to make the extra capital to live that they have in their lives. Excuse me. You know, you, I don't even want to go into it, but you understand that concept, how hard it is to, to build that. Everything you've gone to, all your schooling, all your achievements, all of your work has been to create that little stuff that's the extra. Mm -hmm. And yet we will dispatch with it on somebody's idea, on, on something we overheard on five lines on the TV or 10 lines in the newspaper. That's just not a relationship between how hard you did to create that and how easy it is for you. Or you, you, should, you are willing to give it away, not give it away, but speculate with it. Right. And that has to, it has to make more sense. There has to be a relationship. You have to honor how hard it is to create that and treat it with the same investment of energy and time and resources. And again, it doesn't mean you have that res those energies, resources, and you may have to have somebody execute for you, or you might have to create a strategy that doesn't require trading, that is, that is longer term in nature, that can work for you. And there's, there's many ways of talking about it in these regards. But to not be aware of that relationship is dangerous. It's very dangerous. Um, I'll never forget one of the last things I did institutionally was um, I was uh, concerned about the banking companies um, back in the financial crisis. And so as a hedge fund, my job, I was, I was largely shorting the bank companies in, in that period. And the reason I finally figured out how to spend money is allocate capital to that, to make that commitment was when a, a survey was put out and 35 people, 35% of all people who had variable mortgages would didn't know how their monthly exposure would change if interest rates went up 1%. Hmm. It was, and I said to myself, they have no clue what they're doing. They have no idea what the risks are. 
they have no idea what they've gotten themselves into. And then the rest, you know, was possible. I think that's what everybody needs. They need to look within as investors, not look without. It's not about the next idea. It's about you. Okay. So I think that's the, the most important thing. How, you know, I, I could probably, I don't know how to, how to detail this for people so that they do this accounting correctly. Um, but I know that doing that, that understanding yourself is the most important thing you'll do as an investor because it will steady your hand. And, and that is the, the, the measure of the investor is how and what you do when things are difficult, not when it's good. And because we give up so much and we lose so much of our bearing when things are difficult, when it's not, doesn't necessarily have to be that way. If we have a much greater understanding and accounting of our disposition, our risk tolerance and what we're doing in our life and how investing fits into our life. Would a okay. really would a really simplistic example of that be when the market um, goes goes down and somewhat substantially mm-hmm. over twenty percent, and people inside of a four hundred one k plan, even though they have a long time a long time horizon, they still sell the position when it goes down. Right, right. Yeah, I mean that that uh, the the business is supposed to be cyclical. One of the dangers everyone has to be very aware of, and it's not. It's just, it's just the truth. It's not a matter of right or wrong. It's not the issue. You know, what we're trying to do as investors is, if we do it right, is just observe accurately, not judge so much. The whole notion of the, what we came out of the financial crisis was all about to eliminate economic cycles. All of the fancy words you read in the newspaper and listen to on television are all associated with one goal, and that is to keep interest rates so low that your only choice is to invest in the market. And that's kind of unfair. I think, you know, it's just not right. There was a, there was, there's a balance between fixed income and equities, to just use those two classes of investment, that are very important to everyone's life. Uh, and for governments, regardless of their predisposition, liberal, Democrat, Republican, I don't care about all that stuff, doesn't mean much anyway. Um, but for their, for them to take the choice out of your hands and say, there is no fixed return for you. <laughs> that's not right. No. And that's what they've effectively done. And basically what they've, I mean, it's very, it's one of these, um, uh, conundrums that obviously will, will realize itself in a difficult place because the way they did this, is is by using mountains of debt but if you don't pay interest on your mountains of debt because your interest rate is one percent or two percent then it's really not a mountain of debt until the interest rates change right and that's basically how the story will eventually end that this this will change and and it will it will be forced discipline on us as individuals and institutions and governments to correct this pattern of behavior um but so we have to understand that system. And one of the systems that Wall Street has put on investors, and, and this is brilliant business. This is great business. This is why you wanted to invest in Wall Street, per se. And it, it goes back many, many years. 
Um, so, and, and I, I don't use any name as a negative because I, I think they're doing the right thing for them. You just have to understand and decide whether it's the right thing for you. But when the sector funds were invented, which predated the, the ETFs um, 30 years ago, 25 years ago, I don't know if Fidelity was the first one to do it, but they certainly did it well. And, um, and basically, what were they doing? They were saying, oh, you know, we'll buy this basket of stocks for, you know, if you want to own capital goods in Mexico, no problem. We have the Mexico Capital Goods Fund. And, and, and we'll buy the six largest companies in Mexico that do capital goods and you put your money in and you're here. What they were doing and what they called it was choice. Choice is a very deceptive word. Choice is something we may not always want because what they were doing, because the most important thing to Fidelity, which I'm not using their name specifically as a general thought, is to keep your assets they are much less interested on whether your assets appreciate or depreciate. It's better if they appreciate, but the most important thing for a money manager of any name brand anywhere is to keep your assets. And the way you lose assets as a money manager is when the customer perceives you have taken unreasonable risk. Hmm. And what they did in this case is they put the risk back on you. You made the choice to take capital goods in Mexico because you read about it or heard it on CNBC, or it was one of the 762 recommendations by Jim Cramer every third day of the week. <laughs> and you did that. And all of a sudden, when you fail, it is only you because they bought you all of those capital good companies that were available in Mexico. It is not their problem. But when you fail or that investment fails for a number of reasons, um, you don't pull your money from Fidelity. They did nothing wrong. You took the risk. What I advocate always is that, an, uh, that any manager's, broker, anybody, advisor's true responsibility is to help you take risk, is to take that burden because it is something that you are not expert in and that's why you're seeking their advice. And what they're all trying to do, bar none, is transfer the risk back to you. Transfer the only thing in which they truly add value, which is helping you take risk responsibly and taking that responsibility and now designating it back as yours in the term of freedom or choice. These are not re freedoms or choice you should want. You want them to go shoulder to shoulder with you taking that risk. You know, it's pretty wild. I don't know that I've ever really considered or thought of it that way. But when you mm -hmm. say when you frame it like that, it makes all the sense in the world. So, mm -hmm. and and again, what I'm trying to suggest, I'm not impugning any of these institutions or these sure. people. That is not my intention whatsoever. My intention that as an investor, you have to, you know, when you walk into the casino, you want to understand the rules of the game. You don't want to be the only one who doesn't understand the rules of the game. This is how they've organized it. It's not right or wrong. Just understand the game you're playing. And then back to the prior statement is understanding how you fit into that emotionally, not just intellectually, how you fit into that with your resources and your interests and the amount of effort you want to commit to the exercise. And then lastly, remember that the key to your success is not about right or wrong, strangely as it is. It's about how putting your best 
your most amount of money against your best ideas and your least against your worst ideas. What makes an idea good and what makes it bad? It fits your disposition. I would tell you that, you know, uh, if somebody offered you a treasury that, you know, paid you 4% and that's all you'd ever make in the middle of a roaring bull market, but that was sufficient to suit your needs, your disposition, the lifestyle you'd like to live, your health requirements, your retirement expectations, then that's a brilliant investment, a brilliant investment. It's an absolute. That's what you're looking for. You, it, you do, you're not trying to be a relative person. You're not comparing to others. You're trying to understand your disposition and need and marry investments to it. So for instance, as a professional investor for many years, I started off sort of as a tech investor and I enjoyed that. Now there were certain places that I could not venture because I didn't understand those areas of technology. There were other areas that I understood and I stayed to those. But what was great as a tech investor for me is it was intellectually interesting. So it was very easy for me to spend all my waking hours thinking about it because it suited my interest. I missed many wonderful investments in companies named Dow and DuPont that would grow steady and you could put a lot of capital in them because I also wasn't interested in chemicals. And so I never could put the energy and effort in to monitor them effectively because I didn't, it just didn't suit my interests. So there's so much subtlety to finding the right way to invest. And it's really, again, looking in, not looking out. Excellent. Well, Greg, I think that we already, you've already given us a ton of difference-making tips, but Savage, is ready, Savage Nation is ready for your difference-making tip. What do you have for them, sir? If you were investing in a stock, if that were your interest, there is nothing, nothing more important, no judgment that is more important than trusting the managers who run the business. If you are interested in giving your money to a broker or advisor, there is nothing more important than understanding whether you trust that broker or advisor. Think in terms of the word trust. Apply your resources to those things and people you trust. That is great stuff. That definitely gets a come on. Come on. So thank you for that. Greg, thank you so much for coming on. Where can Savage Nation learn more about you? Well, I am building websites. I, I am on LinkedIn and I am building websites um, right now as I continue to write and the writing uh, will be around some of these subjects. Um, but the websites are in are being developed as right now. So it'll still be a month or two before they're in play. And, and of course, there's the book that I wrote. It's a matter of trust, which has some of these thoughts embedded. Excellent. Well, we will link to your LinkedIn as well as your book in the notes of the show. So, so Savage Nation, if you enjoyed this as much as I did, show Greg your appreciation and share today's show with a friend who also appreciates good ideas. Find him on LinkedIn. And when the show is live, it's very possible that those websites will also be live and get a copy of his book. So thank you again, Greg. Thank you very much. I enjoyed it. And until next time, keep fighting the good fight because we're all in this together. What's up, Savage Nation? Please support the show by subscribing, leave us a review, and definitely feel free to share us with somebody you think would like it. Come on!